Hello there, and welcome to episode 9 of The Game Pit. My name's Sean, and this is one of our Council Chamber episodes. I'll hand over to Ronan, who'll explain exactly what that means. Hi. In our Council Chamber episodes, we're going to choose one topic to do with gaming, and we're going to just chat about it, talk it over, talk about our opinions, talk about whatever we think might be relevant and interesting. And this week, we're going to be talking about Kickstarter, the impact Kickstarter has had on the board gaming industry over the last couple of years, our personal experiences to do with Kickstarter, and how we think the whole industry has been changed, the phenomenon that is Kickstarter. You can catch us with a whole host of other gaming goodness on 2d6.org. So we're going to start talking about Kickstarter and the first thing we're going to talk about is how is Kickstarter used? What is its role within the industry today? who uses it and why and i guess also who are the customers that use it and why and i think we kind of got some opinions on that there's really three main areas which games companies use kickstarter in order to get funding for their projects and to to kickstart their ideas out into the wider world now the first one is we've been looking through all these Kickstarter projects that have been up, and there have been hundreds and hundreds of them just on board games alone is a uh, it's there's some big companies using it now Kickstarter as an idea was something I think to really promote independence and promote new ideas but in terms of us and our industry there's big companies out there who are using it clearly as a pre-order system. We're going to have a little chat about that. Possibly the second group that, that use it that we've identified is, is more to do with that original ethos of Kickstarter. It's the smaller companies, you know, the small man, the, the one-off publishers, the people who are just starting off, they've got an idea, and they want to see if other people are interested. And actually, that is the massive bulk of Kickstarter projects come from that area. Hugely, hugely more than either of the other two areas, but not necessarily all the funded ones, and we'll be talking about that as well. And the third area we kind of identified would be reprints. So games that either haven't been available for a while or when they did first come out, they come out in small print runs. And there's some clever companies out there who are finding uh, these games that didn't quite find a market first time around and there's, there's some clamouring for them. Sean, you've got some thoughts. Should we start talking first of all with the, uh, the big companies using it as pretty much a pre-order system? Yeah, I think... For me, the essence of Kickstarter, when I first started looking into it and finding out about what it was about, was that it was a way for the smaller man to compete with the bigger guys. But I think lately, the big companies have really cottoned on to an excellent marketing ploy. It reduces their marketing budget and it puts the game out there. Board Game Geek is often linked into Kickstarter as a Kickstarter family, in its family groups, and... There's often Kickstarter adverts all going on. So these guys have really, really tapped into that vein of gold, really. Yeah, I'm not sure that I agree that there's really a vein of gold there. In fact, I think that your opinion, and I, I share the same opinion, that this isn't, it just doesn't sit right for some reason, big companies using Kickstarter in this way. And I think it's been reflected in how well they've done. If you look at the real big successes, and one thing we should probably say is that both of us have waded through an awful, awful amount of Kickstarter projects to do some research for this episode. And there are hundreds and hundreds, and very few of them are actually very successful. They might get funded, but there's a lot with very low funding goals. But the ones that actually 
break through and make any decent amount of money. Very few and far between. Um, and so if I'm not sure there is a vein of gold, I think there's a bit of a backlash. I don't think people like big companies using it. One of the most famous ones recently would be where Formula E, which you'd think would be an absolute shoo-in to be funded on Kickstarter. It was from Queen Games, huge publisher, famous designer, seemed like a fun family idea, this idea of racing with elephants around. And it had to have two bites at the cherry just to get itself to its goal, and it didn't really do massively well. I think there's a backlash against these companies. What do you think? Well, I think yes and no. I think Queen Games really have contributed to their own downfall. Well, not downfall. They're still going to make the game. They're still going to make good games. They're still going to make money. But I think with Queen Games, they tend to release the games at the same time that everyone gets their Kickstarter games. From what I've heard, anyway, that kind of would not sit well with, with people, I would imagine. Things I was thinking about more than Queen Games were Tasty Minstrel Games, who I know started off as a Kickstarter company, but they're very, very good at marketing things on Kickstarter. Having said that, their latest project hasn't blown up like they probably thought it would do, but Dungeon Roll absolutely just took off because Michael Mendes, the founder of Tasty Mineral Game, he really worked hard at this and he marketed it brilliantly. He went to sites all over the shop, putting in the two penneth worth of about, about the game and it just absolutely blew up. I don't think Tasty Mineral Games need to do that. I think they're a big enough company now with the likes of Belfort behind them that they probably don't need it, but it's a cheap way of marketing the game. Yeah, I, th- I think that Tasty Minstrel, I, I wouldn't put them in the same sort of vein because there's a certain group of people that use Kickstarter in order to buy board games and they have got a loyalty to using Kickstarter and they have a loyalty to the companies that they've seen grow and develop through Kickstarter. So I don't think that the sort of view of the customer is the same for Taste Minstrel Games as it would be for for people like Griffin and Queen and what have you, in that they're these outsiders coming in, trying to muscle in on, on these small guys that we've helped. You know, one of, the, one of the selling points of Kickstarter is you feel like you're somehow involved. You've invested early and you've helped these companies find their feet and you found new designers and, and there's a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of pride there for w- when these companies grow and do well and therefore there's that loyalty there. You know, one of the ones that I've backed, as probably listeners know, is Sentinels of the Multiverse. I followed it right the way through. And, you know, when I see that doing so well, I think, cool, you know, I'm happy because it's something that I had faith in. And I think Tasty Mitchell Games rides on that wave a bit. Do you not think that there's a cutoff point, though, where game company has found their feet, as you said, come through the Kickstarter process, found their feet, and are now an established company making multiple games and should maybe back off and leave Kickstarter to the smaller guy so, so that they can then find their feet. Because I think if more big companies pile in at the top end of the market, I think it might just crush the essence of what Kickstarter for me should be. Yeah, but it's all very, very much relative. I mean, I, I can't imagine for a second Tasty Mutual Games is a big company. not Certainly not the level of some of the massive ones. I mean, we go, you go to Essen, you see the size of the area Queen Games have got and see how big they are in Germany and the number of, of copies of their games that get released and that get made, it's in the thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, I'm sure, for the big ones. 
they are a completely different level. And you're talking about uh, fancy flight games, completely different level to Tasty Minstrel. You know, all these, the real big publishers, Tasty Minstrel are not that big. If you look at the games they've had out, um, you should look to see where they started from. I backed Homesteaders and bought the first edition of it. And that was, I really like it. Very, very good game. I, I really, really enjoy it a lot. But the quality of components, the couple components, was just awful. It was clearly someone working out of their garage trying to throw this together. And we got updates about it, about why and what have you, and the issues. And, and he just wasn't able to, to adjust. He didn't have the backing behind him to send a whole load of these back to get new ones made or anything like that. So, no, I, I don't think that that particular example, they're at the level enough. One of the things with, with Kickstarter I'm sure we're going to go over is that a lot of these companies are not making any money out of the Kickstarter, especially that customers now expect stretch goals. And those stretch goals have to come from somewhere. You know, It really surprises me, this stretch goal system, because just because more people are pledging, they're not pledging more each, therefore they're getting more for their money, which means it must cost the publisher more. So, uh, so I just think that there's more and more publishers not making any money out of using Kickstarter. Sorry, just to go back, um, what tasty minstrel games? I don't mean to rag on them at all, and um, that's certainly not what I was trying to do, but I just feel that they, personally, I think they've got to a level where they could stand on their own two feet now. They they are well known now. I absolutely agree. They're nowhere close to anyone like Fantasy Flight or Queen Games. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of the company. Maybe that's still the best way for them to get their products out. Maybe they, they don't have the funding to do it elsewhere. But I just feel that they, they had reached a level and maybe it's time for them to, to step aside. Do you know, just on that, well, I think that... Again, I mean, we're outsiders. We don't know really, but but just from things you pick up, I don't. I can't imagine they've made that much money out of their releases so far. And I think if a company, if they've got a certain amount of money and and they release it and it's not on Kickstarter, they're really risking everything on one release. And is the industry solid enough for them to do that? No, that's that's a fair point. Just taking your your second point from earlier, were with the stretch goal bit. I. Mean, I I always assumed that they had deals in place with the people who produced their, their stuff uh, where the more would be created for less money, obviously more, less per pack or less per box, whatever whatever you want to describe it as. So if they were to reach a certain amount, maybe on a 10,000 games, they would get it for cheaper than if they only had 5,000 games. So that's where I always felt that the stretch goals sort of fed into that and got people more excited and more people buying into it. Yeah, I, I, I take your point on board there, but it really depends upon what stretch goals are. If, you, if you're talking about a card or two, then I can see how economies of scale are, are going to help you out with that. But some of them are crazy. Some of them are adding whole new components and half as much again. And, and I'm look, I'm really looking at it going, that's not sustainable. You, you cannot be making any money out of this. There's just no way. You know, if I've paid my $30 and that's how much the game was going to cost... To get half as much again, just because a load of other people have paid thirty dollars, well, you're not going to make any money out of me, are you? I think some, especially brand new game companies, I think it might be a case of speculate to accumulate just to get their name out there, get a game out there that they believe in, and it's going to hit the market and make people want to buy future releases. Um, so maybe they don't make money on the first ones. I mean, but it can be done in such a intelligent and 
alluring way. If you look at Call Me or Not, who've released <laughs> Zombicide uh, 2, like Zombicide 2 is the biggest ever hit on Kickstarter. They, Certainly no money give, from your house going into that one. No, it? no money at all from my house. It, it wasn't a birthday present from my, my darling wife, who I'll be forever in her debt. But, um, yeah, they've not only do they give you a ridiculous amount of stretch goals, like it's insane, but they also play the marketing game and they, they tell you you can have this if you buy this. And if you can if you can buy four of them, we'll give you two of them free. So they do they play it very, very well. And I think they've worked Kickstarter the best of any company I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, well, let's go on from... That's quite a good link into the second set of, I guess, users of Kickstarter. And that's the small companies starting off, like, you know, Tasty Minstrel were. Let's just keep talking about them, shall we? Or Call Me or Not were. And... and uh, you know, we can mention these ones who have made a success out of being at Kickstarter. But Sean, how many weird, wonderful, random, and absolutely terrible games have you looked at doing research for this episode? Oh my word! There is so many games in there. I mean, there's games in the top thousand that came through Kickstarter. I'm like, really? Does that exist? But when you start going into the ones that once it ended up with $41 funding and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> it is. Like, the idea is some people come up with is just fair play to them for putting it out there, but come on. Like, absolutely insane, some of the stuff you see. But I think that, for me, that's the beauty of Kickstarter. I love the fact that the weird and wonderful gets in there. I, I just want to throw one out quick. Child Beauty Pageant Tycoon. Yeah, I flicked, I flicked through that one I, just in case the FBI were watching. That one was a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carrying on. Carry on. There want. are hundreds. Literally hundreds. Of... Just throw this one in there. Um, You're probably going to go, yeah, I've played it a hundred times. One of my favourite games. Viva Java, the coffee game. Uh, yeah, no, no. That's 938 not... on the BGG. Yeah. yeah, where did that come from? It's not obscure. That's uh, that's Dice Hate Me. They've got a podcast and they've got um, they're a company and they've did Carnival and the Heartland hauling trucking something oh. or other game. As I said, yeah, I thought you might know it. <laughs> <laughs> not that I've ever played it, but yeah, that one got funded. I think that goes to show that the um, some some of these smaller ones, it's if you can kind of get. A, a community on board you're going to get funded you can somehow get a link in now the dice hate me podcast was going before they ever started trying to uh, to put games out so I mean, that's kind of a bit of a ready-made market it's, it's at least a step up at least your name's going to get out there and you're going to get known um i think that if someone came up with a coffee game and they had no background in the industry at all I, in fact there are other coffee games i remember some of them uh imagine multiple coffee games who knew uh which didn't get funded so I'm not saying whether that's it's a good or bad game. I have no idea because uh, I don't want to play a game about coffee. But uh, it, it goes to show that this you need a secret, you need a trick, you need something to get noticed because a lot of the time I think people think about Kickstarter and they think that 80% of all projects get funded. Let me tell you, if it's 5%, I'd be surprised. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is there's so many, if you plough through. And I only really look at the table, tabletop game section on Kickstarter. Yeah, there's there's some things you just look look down and they're sitting down there on maybe like five dollars or something and you do feel sorry. Someone's put a lot of love and craft into that and 
I really thought they had a, had a winner, and it's not quite gone to plan. But <sighs> some of them do. Some of them do sneak through. And you know what? I think Kickstarter's worth it just for that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's definitely something we're going to chat about a little bit later. Is, is the impact it's had on the market and 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 what has been what has been a success and what hasn't. But I think this is really what everyone thinks of when they think about Kickstarter: is small companies, one man bands, people with a dream, and does it work out for them? Are they able to to somehow click in whatever it might be that works, make a good video, get some good stretch goals, get someone to to help them out in order to get their funding and let their dream live. I I think that's a lot of why people like Kickstarter and are willing to pay money for something they're not going to see for months and they can't really be sure of the quality of because it is a little bit I'm helping someone achieve their dream. Yeah, it just reminds me of when eBay first started. It was the little man was able to sell his goods and little companies were able to do arts and crafts and stuff like that. But now the bigger boys have moved in and eBay is not eBay anymore. You might as well just say it's at Amazon because Amazon have got a market like that as well. And it's kind of been just taken over by the big boy. And I hope that Kickstarter doesn't go that way. And that's why I'm a little bit worried about companies that have found their feet, like Queen Games, still trying to use it as a pre-order system to some degree. While we're talking about them, I did just want to mention very quickly that Queen Games and Kickstarter, Kingdom Builder, it wasn't entirely their fault, but Kingdom Builder was on Kickstarter from the designer of Dominion and Queen Games, it needed Kickstarter, did it, in case it was never going to get bought. And Escape, Curse of the Temple, was on Kickstarter. They had 487,000 copies of that at Essen. There's no way they ever needed to kickstart that. Uh, maybe they ran short of tea and coffee in the offices or something. They needed a quick 80 grand to top up. That was just, that's nonsense. Anyway, enough for picking on Queen Games. The third group of companies or games that are coming out, reprints. Like I said in the introduction, it's those games that haven't quite found a market yet or are highly rated but hard to get hold of or the original publishers went out of business before they really hit it large. Sean, what do you think about Kickstarter being used for reprints? I'm in in two minds because it does tend to be the bigger companies just not working very hard, picking up a game that they know it's already made and just adding a, a little bit of glitz to it. But having said that, sometimes that's what it needs because sometimes those games won't be made if if these people don't pick them up and it's a no-brainer for them to really stick it on kickstart and just see how it gets picked up by the public then they know what they're going to do with it yeah it, it seems like the perfect match doesn't it it's, yeah I, I think so yeah get a hold of an idea this is oh you know we think there might be a, a market out there for this game. Do you know what? It's perfect. Let's go and see. You don't have to do as much hard work as the, the company starting off with a game that no one's ever heard of. It's because the idea being, obviously, that there's already an audience out there for this game. So, you know, a big one recently, Tammany Hall. Now, enough people knew about Tammany Hall it, that it was really, that was always going to get back, let's face it. It had good word of mouth and, and it's a good kind of industry for that word of mouth. And so therefore that was always going to get picked up. Or like to bootleggers was interesting enough. That I think that was always going to get picked up. But it does just seem like a perfect match of there's a game that people want to play and want to spend money on, but they can't. Well, do you know what? Let's make it available. Kickstarter seems like the way to do it, right? Yeah, I'm kind of going back on what I said earlier about the big companies using kickstarter as a sort of pre-order system but this at least they are bringing something that we would never have seen 
that they're just trying testing the market in this instance rather than something that they've developed for for years and they know they're positive and it's going to have their branding in this their game and they're going to bring it out anyway and they're just using kickstarter as a pre-order but this one actually does let them test the market it's almost like focus group The next section we'd like to talk about in terms of Kickstarter is the delivery of the Kickstarter projects. Now, we want to talk about how you get it, if you get it, when you get it, how much you pay to get it, and also the quality of the product when it does arrive. Ronan, would you like to start? Sure. So one of the first things is obvious when you're backing a Kickstarter project. You're spending money and you're not walking out of that shop with your product. I think that one of the things that's kind of uh, numbed people to this a few years ago it would have been absolutely unthinkable there's no way people would have been paying money and then going well i haven't got what i just paid for now a lot more of us shop on the internet right so we're used to paying and i don't get it immediately but i'll get it eventually that's fine obviously kickstarter takes that to a new realm because it's i'm paying you for a product which i've never seen i don't know how good it is and i don't know when it's going to come now you might give me some idea, you might give me an estimated delivery time, but they're absolutely non-binding. That could be true, or I could be waiting two years from now, still waiting for my product. Um, and it, it's worked both ways in all sorts of Kickstarter projects. Some of them have come out bang on time. Some of them have even come a little earlier. I think one of my Sentinels ones came a bit earlier, and some I'm still waiting for. Uh, it, it's kind of a, a funny system. It's almost like... Um, I know Emperor's New Clothes is a notorious Kickstarter, but it's a little bit like that. How are you going to convince people to pay you for something and not tell them when they're going to get what they've paid for? I think that's where where it comes in, though. Kickstarter is a gamble, and I think you have to know that from the start. You are taking a punt into nowhere, really, just hoping that that game gets funded to start with, because you don't know it's going to get funded. Then you're looking. Then you're waiting for your game. Are these guys? If it's a small company, are they going to make the product? Are they going to get it out in the condition that you wanted it in? So yeah, it's, it's definitely two two ways to look at this. But I think the the, fa- the most famous case of this has been the Glory to Rome episode. And I don't want to go too much into them, but um, they because they are sorting out the issues. But the Glory to Rome was funded by the the owner of the company and he ended up having to pile loads and loads of his own cash in the release date was pushed back and back and back because they had so much mishaps with their distributors and their product makers ronan you know a little bit more about this don't you uh well yeah we know that there was there's all kinds of issues surrounding that kickstarter uh in terms of some people have it and got it months ago and some people are still waiting for it and there's massive disparity in who received it and who didn't i think that cambridge grames actually had to send some copies to shops to sell them in order to fund the printing of more copies for those kickstarter backers who hadn't received it yet it uh, we we know that there's some have come out and the boxes are all bubbled and there's been a few issues with cards and what have you i think some of them have got stinky copies which happens sometimes again for some reason i don't know maybe they make them in the same place as the stone age cup um so yeah that that is one that's fallen down now there's been other projects that have fallen down as well uh i, th- I think 
it's not hard to find out about the lady. I think it's the son is telling her she can't make her game yet, and uh, she's she's got a few tens of thousands of people's money. Look into that yourself. I'm not really going to comment on it any further. Um, and other ones as well, whereby things haven't been delivered as promised. But like you say, this is one of the gambles of Kickstarter. Is the case of in the at the end of the day, you're paying money with no guaranteed delivery time and and really no guaranteed product. Just um, to interject that, in fairness to Cambridge Games, they are actually giving away a free game to all the people who backed Glory to Rome, the the black box edition. So they are doing their level best to make sure that all their customers are happy. But you might yeah. say doing their level best, I might not agree. Anyway, anyway, okay, let's <laughs> move on. Quality on. of product, Sean. Uh, when you do eventually get it, uh, and we've both played a few Kickstarter games. Now, Kickstarter games have got a reputation for not having the best components. Is it fair or is it not? Um, it's probably a bit of column A and a little bit of column B, really. I think, again, it's, this, this whole... I keep saying it, it's a gamble. I'm not sure whether I've been lucky or not, but so far, all the Kickstarters that I've received have had decent components, if not fantastic components. Um, obviously, Alien Frontiers... Excellent components, beautiful game. Uh, even Gauntlet of Fools, which I'll talk about more later on. Um, lovely components, no problem with that. So I do. My heart goes out to people who do get games that arrive in in an envelope. But I suppose it's it's just again, it's the gamble you take. Yeah, it's. You now I've I have ragged on Kickstarter before in, in terms of components, but actually I don't think it's the components. I think there's some other issues sometimes in terms of design graphical design ease of use rule books and what have you but in terms of components when i look through all the kickstarter games i've played i've got very very few complaints in general they tend to get the components right whether that's the easiest part or not well i i think it probably is to be honest um with the industry exploding there are more ways of getting your games made than ever before therefore in terms of competition only the best ones are going to survive. So people have got to put out good games if they want to last any... That's in terms of the actual manufacturers, not the publishers of the game, but the manufacturers are making the bits. They have to make good quality bits, as simple as that. So, and I think that that's coming through. Uh, all all the ones you mentioned, you know, all, all nice bits to them. Uh, but aside from the bits, what about in terms of the quality of, like, like I say, the graphic design, ease of play, ease of learning, ease of use... Any comments on that in general? I think you hit the nail spot on the head there with the easiest part is to get the components because that's a physical thing that you can look and say, that looks right. The main thing that I worry about is, do they play test these games? <laughs> you don't know the history of how... And some of them are very open about it and they, they tell you who's play tested and they you know, when they're play testing so you can even go along. Some of them just put this product on the market and say this is how you will play it roughly. And you get the game and it's... There's one game particularly, it's not a game. It's not being play tested, it's just... They've just tapped a name onto it and said, here you go, there's a box of lovely cards. That's where the difficulty is because smaller guys, they're not the big game producers who have these army of play testers and make sure that the product is finished when it goes out there. These guys are, I've got an idea and an idea doesn't always, a good idea doesn't always translate into a good game. That's yeah, this I've been, I've been bitten once with that, but 
other times it's been fine but yeah I think that is definitely the hardest bit and the, in terms of the graphical design again I think that should be easy you should be able to tell that your game looks right and it's it fits right and you've got the rules in the right order but unfortunately some guys some people don't be, seem to be able to tell yeah I mean I thought again from an outsider's perspective it seems to me sometimes to be a cross between budget and impatience to hire an actual person to design the game to, for ease of use and what have you and then to hire someone else to do the art seems to be a bit of a stretch for some of them it, they tend to either go one way or the other oh it looks nice but it's absolutely terrible to use or yeah it's all laid out but it looks like it's been laid out by a GCSE coursework you know it, it's you know it's a high school kid has put it together but there's no there's nothing nice there's nothing there's no bells and whistles on it in terms of playtesting the game New games have been coming out, you know, forever. And the a vast majority of new games that come out to any sort of impact, certainly, are still coming through the traditional methods. And those games have got to be play-tested somewhere. Now, it's not impossible to get your game play-tested. There are play-test focus groups. There are board game clubs. If you just go along and chat, and the people are usually happy to try out a game for you. I'm, again, I go to London on board, and you see games being playtested down there, and there are particular playtest groups, so uh, I, I hate to damn, but it's a little bit of, you know, believe, if you believe in your product, you will make the effort to go out and get it playtested as much as possible to make sure it's good enough, because while I said components are generally good, there are some Kickstarter games that just come out and I just think this this has not been playtested enough. This has not been developed. And it's frustrating because it's those games that are, there's a good idea there. That That's why they've been successful to a particular level. You know, there's something there, but it hasn't been developed. It's just been completely undercooked. Yeah, and that's really disappointing that somebody hasn't gone to the... No, it's not even the extra mile, the extra inch to actually playtest their game. As, as you said especially a lot of these kickstarters come from america there's so many conventions going on in america that you could just turn up and people will play your game and they will give you an honest critique there's so many board game shops and board game centers and groups and all sorts going on as you said you can just turn up get an honest critique on the game and fix it it's not hard but some of these guys i do feel as ronan quite rightly said they do tend to rush into these things they've got their product they've got their idea they've got a rough idea how it, how it's going to play they've played it with a few mates and i could be being completely harsh to these guys but that's the way it feels sometimes i mean i mean even over here right we're, we're off to uk games expo soon there's the Nine Worlds convention, a new one coming up in August. They've got a playtest group there. They've got the uh, the Dragon Con at Kensington every year. They have a playtest group there. You know, even over here where we are nowhere near uh, as popular and as into our board game and as over in America in terms of cons and whatever you getting together and helping each other out, tends to be still a bit more of isolated groups. It's it's easy enough to do over here. Definitely, definitely. Well, the last the last and one of my bugbears of section of the delivery aspect is actually the delivery costs. Been stung a few times, and a couple of times I've just not been able to purchase stuff that is coming from America, and it's doubling, if not over, going over double the price with just postage. There's got to be a better way of doing this surely Ronan yeah you'd think they'd have to be really um I think the problem's going to be is how much it's affecting the, the the sales you know how many sales do they really get from the EU over there 
uh, the, the real small companies I can forgive, you know, the ones that are just struggling to get out 500 or 1,000 of their games and you're thinking, look, they, well, they want to send their 30 or 40 copies across because it's going to cost them so much money, you know, you have to cover it, fine. When you're getting a real big success and you're getting a, a real big print run, is it is it beyond the realms to, to ship a load of them over at a reduced rate and then just reduce that down? I'm not, look, free shipping's not what we're asking for. But when I'm looking at a $40 for a game and $50 to ship it, do you know what? I'm not back in that game. Absolutely. And it has been done right. Um, a non-specific uh, example is there, there are some larger companies that have a distribution hub in mainland Europe, probably Germany, but around mainland Europe. And that will then facilitate all the orders from the EU as well as having their main distribution hub in America. Also, the second example is, and I'm not sure how he's done it, but Martin Wallace has a new game called A Study in Emerald Out, and his company, Tree Frog Games, have done it as £50. No matter where you are in the world, £50. That's the price. That's the way I'd like to see Kickstarters done. Just, just find a way of doing it. They've done it. I'd love to know how they've done it. Yeah, right. agreed. That, that's definitely a big barrier to, to us to, uh, to, to in terms of backing, but it could be worse. You know, we could live in Australia. Um, last thing I'd say for delivery, one of the most annoying things for me personally is if I back a Kickstarter and then at the same time or sometimes before I get my copy, I see it in my local game shop. Yeah, that's really irritating, especially if there's no stretch goals. <laughs> or the stretch goals will just add to the box anyway. Yeah. It was um, going to Essen and seeing copies of London for sale when we hadn't been shipped our copies of it that we'd backed, or pre-ordered rather. That wasn't Kickstarter specific, but yeah, I'm still quite annoyed about it. <laughs> Can I have my copy that I paid for? No. about <laughs> that one? Or this bloke's just going about to pay for it. But I already paid for it, so... <laughs> No, that, that's that's just bad marketing and bad customer service as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's by Tree Frog, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, they learned their lesson. <laughs> to be fair, and a study in Emerald is they've actually guaranteed that it's not going to be in retail outlets. So maybe they've Two learned Two years that. or something like that, isn't it? Uh, well, if it gets reprinted, it'll be 2015 before it's out. Wow, they're pushing out the boat to get you on board that one. They really are. So what we wanted to talk about is the impact that Kickstarter is having on the actual industry. And obviously it's very hard to judge. It's one of those things that a little bit further down the line, you're going to be able to look back and say, did it change anything really? You know, how are we doing? What's its legacy? But in terms of right now, now we're in the still the burgeoning impact of Kickstarter, how, how is it really having an effect? Now, it's very easy to think that Kickstarter is having a massive effect on the industry. It's very easy to think that every game that comes out is a Kickstarter game. It's very easy to think that it's easy to chuck a game up on Kickstarter and it gets funded because the nature of Kickstarter is with, with these small kind of project windows, whether they be 30 days, 60 days, whatever it is you choose, 
it's necessary for the companies that are bringing out these games to create a lot of noise during that time to try and get people on board to push it out to tweet it to to start geek this to do whatever they they can to to sponsor podcasts and to be interviewed and and everything people know that their game is out there now what I found and what I think some people around me have found that it's all turning into a bit of a white noise. I know that there's people who just stop listening now when people start talking about a Kickstarter game because it, they've all just turned into one. It's just, oh yeah, someone's pushing a Kickstarter game. Yeah, sure, whatever. And and it seems that a lot of the sort of buzz, the internet stuff, the internet feeds, again, uh, well, gaming podcasts, and we're doing it ourselves now, talk about Kickstarter an awful lot. The perceived impact of those of us who actually use board gaming media, I think can be larger than the actual impact that it's having. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at the Board Game Geek sort of rankings list that we keep going back to in this episode, but it, it is relevant in this case. Only 14 Kickstarter games are in the top 500 and only 26 in the top 1,000. Given uh, so that- I mean, we... we- is it well over 800, right, that we found Kickstarted games? Yeah, yeah, somewhere, somewhere in that level. And if you think of, just as Ronan said, the massive noise that Kickstarter is making in the gaming industry at the moment, and there are massive, massive successes like Zombicide coming out of it, but there's not a lot in that top thousand, and some of those games I haven't even heard of. So it does have its successes, but they are do seem to be few and far between. Yeah, for sure, for sure, definitely. I mean, you know, if you look at those top-ranked Kickstarter games, also it kind of tells a story. You've got Glory to Rome is the top-ranked game that's you know mentions a Kickstarter game. When, well, originally, of course, it was not a Kickstarter game. Now, some people hated the original artwork. I didn't like it very much. Some people hate the new Black Box artwork. I actually a little bit disappointed in the Black Box artwork, so I don't particularly like either of them. Definitely, the, the two together have combined to give it the high ranking. Is it what you would really call a Kickstarter game? Now, I know that sounds ridiculous. It was on Kickstarter, therefore it qualifies. But it wasn't brand new coming in. It wasn't one of these where people are trying to push it and it's made a huge impact. It's a known game being reprinted. It's in that third sort of section we talked about. So, you know, I know it sounds ridiculous, but is it really a Kickstarter game? Well, no, I don't think it is. Um, it was part of my figures in terms of in the top 514 and the top 500. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of them reprints that are out of that, aren't there? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think if you look at look at it without Glory to Rome, you've only got one game, unless I'm mistaken, in the top 100, and that's at 85, and that's Alien Frontiers. That's right. Yeah, Alien Frontiers, which you know, it's it's that was, I guess, the original Kickstarter success story. It's it's the progenitor of, of all these other ones that have come along because it was a good game. You know, we talked about it previously, and, and it has had an impact, and it's the one that stayed up there. I mean, I, I go down past that. You've got Upfront, which has just been reprinted, but it's been a, you know, it's been a huge game for years, decades, literally. Uh, we've got the Resistance Avalon. Is the next one down? That is obviously a reskin off the Resistance. Now it is from Indie Board and Card Games, and they do use Kickstarter. They've used it for things like Triumvirate and what have you. And so, you know, they, they, I guess they're true to the theme or, or that ethos we're talking about in terms of Kickstarter, and that they are a small company, but. That as an actual Kickstarter game, it's it's a retheme of an already successful game. It's also had the kind of tabletop impact in that. Yeah, Will Wheaton played it with his mates on on some very small show. 
You know, yeah, getting to true sort of Kickstarter games, there's not that many up there, I guess. The next two of the big ones also to go with Alien Frontiers, Sentinels of the Multiverse, and then Zombicide. Yeah, well, um, two original games that came through the process, so I suppose them, along with, as you said, Alien Frontiers, I suppose they are what Kickstarter's about. But, yeah, the reprints and the, the rehashes, yeah, it's, it's, it's good that they're doing it, but can you really count it as a Kickstarter success? And I, I guess I just just to really drive home some some of the uh, what we're talking about here. If you take the top ten ranked games from 2012, the Resistance Avalon is the only one that's anything to do with Kickstarter that's on there. Um, if we go, oh, I'll go quickly through the others: Mice and Mystics, Mage Wars, War of the Ring Second Edition, X Wing, Descent Second Edition, Lords of Waterdeep, Terra Mystica, Zulkin, and Netrunner all came out through what you call traditional sort of means. So is Kickstarter really having on the ground in terms of the games that people buy, the games that people play a lot, and the games that people really love, is it having that much of an effect? My opinion is that no, it's not. And the figures will bear that out. But I think Kickstarter's just starting to find its feet, if that's possible. I think it's had an impact, but I think it's just getting to the point where it is a massive, massive player in the gaming industry. Now, maybe if we revisit this in a year's time, it'd be very interesting to see how many games are in the top 500, 100 then, because I think you might find there's a lot more. Yeah, I mean, but I've been hearing that for two or three years. You know, that, oh, it's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Definitely, if you look at the, uh, the top-backed uh, projects, it, it, it's mini-games. It's miniature games. That's what it's had a massive impact on. Um, you know, two over two million on both Zombicide season two and is it King, King, Kingdom Death Monster go over two million? Yeah, that's the second biggest funded game. Yeah. yeah, both minis based games, and I think if you go through those top ones, they're all minis based, are they? Oh, uh, well, so what have we got? Well, we've got Dwarven Forge game tiles, uh, which I think is just tiles and bits that you use to play role-playing games or something or other. Uh-huh. Uh, Sedition Wars, which I must admit I don't know a lot about. Myth, which is a mini-game, and Ogre. Which, yeah, the Steve Jackson reprint. Yeah. So, is it really having a big impact on the board game industry, or is it having a big impact on the mini-game industry? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, yeah. Again, the figures will bear out that that is the case now however as i said in a year's time the board games are starting to come through but yeah i think it i think miniatures for some reason just appeal more on kickstarter because you're getting you seem to be getting more for your money and i think if you're not guaranteed something people will take a gamble if it's above and beyond they won't buy necessarily a basic card game with basic components that but they will will take that punt and take that gamble on something that is spectacular like a zombie side or an ogre like as i recently saw a photo of a guy who had backed ogre for some stupid money for four and a half thousand dollars or something one of the top top echelons of the things and did he get an God. actual ogre oh god he got more than an ogre he's 
he had a massive table in his room, wherever it was, and that table was full. The floor was full. The bookcase had stuff in it, and that was without the box. The box, I could live in the box, and I'm six foot five and built like a shed. I could live in that box. It is massive. I'm still getting uh, over how big you are. <laughs> it's, only, it's only been 30 years old. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so my opinion of it is Kickstarter generates a lot of noise, but does it deliver a lot for that bang? Um, I guess we're going to go over it again when we kind of conclude the episode and talk about our thoughts, but it's got some real good games come out of it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I like that kind of niche games can, can find a market, but don't get overwhelmed by the amount of noise it generates. It's it's really, I think, not having that much of an effect. Yes, yeah, so as you said, we'll, we'll, we'll sum up at the end, but shall we move into our own personal experiences? Sounds like an idea. about kickstarter in general what we feel about it in general terms but obviously there's a personal side to this and we're now going to talk about some of the games that we have kickstarted or that we have that have been kickstarted in the past so i'm going to kick off proceedings by mentioning the game i talked about earlier and that's gauntlet of fools now this game falls right into the category that me and ronan talked about when we said that we didn't feel that some games were play tested that they got the product out onto the market without going the extra mile this game designed by donald x vaccarino of dominion fame that's why i went for it i thought okay it's designed by donald these guys look like they know their stuff very very chatty on the kickstarter telling us about all their updates about what they're doing with the products arrived no no qualms about the way it arrived in good time before Essen last year. So I got my copy before Essen. Happy days. Beautiful quality. Good sturdy box. Beautifully designed cards and pieces. Nice comedy artwork going on. And that's where it ended. Someday, somebody will come along and design a game to go with those lovely components. Ronan, you had a game recently with me, and uh, I think you were a little bit flabbergasted. I, I, uh, <laughs> that's it. That's my thoughts on that game. What? What game? We're not talking about a game. We're talking sorry. about Mr. Components. Right. Sorry. Gauntlet of Fools. Yeah. Mm. Okay. How that was designed by the man who designed Dominion is beyond me. It's some kind of joke. That's all I can say. That's all I can guess. Ridiculous. If it was playtested once, I'd be surprised. And therein lies the problems that you can face with Kickstarter. This game, nobody could have picked this out as being an absolute flop. I remember mentioning it to you, Ronan, when I was kickstarting it, and you were like, oh, but that doesn't really count because it's Donald X Vaccarino. It's going to be a decent game. And it wasn't. I never said that. Yeah, you did. And it wasn't, and that was like, yeah, it's obviously an idea he had, and then thought, you know, well, that's rubbish, and someone's gone, can I have it? And he's gone, yeah, if you pay me. 
I reckon like his cleaner nicked the back of the envelope <laughs> that he'd scrawled on as he was like falling asleep one that night. That wasn't actually his. That was like his child's. <laughs> he'd found... Game, and he's gone, no, that's rubbish, son. Get <laughs> out of my presence. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like you say, exactly, that's right. Every time you back a game, it's a risk. This one uh, didn't pay off. Um... Another Kickstarter game that did pay off. We've talked about it loads, but our personal experience. I missed out on the first printing, and it's just gone into its fourth printing, I believe. It's just being funded on Kickstarter. Alien Frontiers, the golden child for games on uh, on Kickstarter. Lovely components, great theme, solid gameplay all round. This, this surely, you know, a designer, Tori Neiman, who'd been trying to get the game made for for several years. This surely must be what Kickstarter is all about. Oh, definitely. And just to clarify, the fourth printing isn't the thing that's on Kickstarter. They've gone to great lengths to say that they're printing it anyway. And the the fourth edition that's on Kickstarter, Stroke Springboard, is for the the factions, the additional factions expansion pack. That's what it's for. But yeah, Alien Frontiers, great game, fantastic game, no problems at all with that game components design play testing all works fantastic yeah i guess the biggest problem is maybe they're milking it a little bit now sean your next one <laughs> it was a critic um okay this is one that i haven't received yet it's a little bit late coming to the pass but it's the game probably that gave me the best insight into the struggles of a independent games designer stroke game company now it's it's salem and it's from rock paper scissors games and it's based on the the salem witch trials obviously now the guy whose name escapes me um who's designing it he's gone through so much including an attack from the wiccan society or from one wiccan alleged wiccan in, in particular but yeah, he's, it's been really interesting watching him, the way he's had to do it. He just got funded. It was a 30,000 funding, and he made 33,000 right on the last day. And I think he almost had to sell his firstborn to, to get this game funded because, yeah, I think he ended up giving some ridiculous stretch goals away with it just at the last minute, and it just snuck through. But... He's had problems with quality, uh, problems with the design. He's been back and forth on the Kickstarter forum saying, like, do you like this? What do you think of this? He's asked people to proofread his uh, his instructions and rule book, uh, which I was one of them. And I had a read through and I gave him my feedback. And I think that's, just, that's the way to do it. This guy has been honest and upfront. As I said, he was attacked by a guy on a blog who said that the, the game was a disgusting effort and all the people that backed it were evil pigs or something to that that, that one he's had to i go. think he was just referring to you actually but. he was just referring to me but he couldn't name me so he had to just say everyone just for legal reasons so this guy's had to go the designer of the games had to go to great lengths to show that he talked to the wiccan community and even had to prove that two of the descendants from people who were killed in the Salem Witch Trials are his lead backers. They are like one of the two of the top backers for the most amount. So, yeah, it's been a real, real roller coaster ride for this guy. And I got a real feel of how these people put together the game and 
the challenges they face on the way. And it's been a real eye-opener, as I said. And I'm glad for the experience. And that's why I'm more than happy to give him whatever time he needs to get this game out. I think it's been interesting. You've been updating me all the way through. And I think that if you're, you know, this, these small one-man operations, that's surely the only way to go is connect with your audience. If you're doing these problems, yeah, most people are going to understand and say, look, it's probably not going to be an easy thing to do first time you do it. Things can go wrong. If you talk to us, we'll get on side. The vast majority of people, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think and him being so personable has been the reason why He's just got no grief from anyone. And actually, people are leaping to his defense if anyone does pop in and say, come on, where's my game? So, and I think it's in the final stages. I hope it's in the final stages. I'm really interested to see how it plays. Uh, next one I want to talk about is, is Rolling Freight, which came out. It's a train-based game and you have to get contracts and develop your, your company. Now, this one... I think is a real solid game. I've played it a couple of times. I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's meaty, it's dinky, it's it's root building, and it's also considering actions and what have you. I, I think there's a lot going on in it, but I tell you what this suffers from, and I think that's why it hasn't been a hit, and I found it really hard to get people to play is because it looks like a Kickstarter game. It's functional in its form. Everything's there. As you're playing, it makes sense. But it just doesn't look very pretty. And it's got that bland, blocky, kind of odd artwork that, that people just don't want to play. They just look at it and go, oh, it's a Kickstarter game. I'm not interested. And there is a good game there. And, and this is one of those games that I think, you know, just, just a little bit of art, a little bit of something to polish it up and if it, it get a wider audience. I really believe it would be a big hit. So uh, Rolling Freight good quality components it comes with a board with two sides to it so, so the games are different anyway i think it's got everything to be a successful medium heavyweight trainee sort of a euro and i'm not a big train game fan apart from the looks and it kind of exposes how superficial sometimes these games are in terms of kickstarter and yeah it got funded but in terms of wider acceptance it's kind of got that stigma on it of oh well you know i don't want to play that yeah it's root building i don't like it <laughs> And it doesn't like you. Next. <laughs> um, Guilds of Cadwallon. A very, very loose tie into City of Thieves, uh, which is based in the city of Cadwallon. And it's by Cool Mini or Not. And it's the game that's actually given me a lot of peace of mind in terms of the way they dealt with the distribution. They were fantastic. They told me when the game was ready. They told me when the game was on the ship coming over from China to mainland America. And they told me when it had reached UPS. They told me when it was in the air. They told me when it reached Europe. They told me when it was coming over to the UK. They told me when it was sitting inside my porch door. Fantastic. They, they just told me everything I needed to know. And given that my wife spent a lot of money on Zombicide Season 2... I now have peace of mind. Now, a little bit about the game. It was, it's part of my acquisition disorder. I just looked at it and it looked pretty, so I backed it. It's a type of game that I didn't really have of. It's kind of area manipulation, staley, but very, very simple version of that. And I didn't really have anything like that. And it actually turned out to be quite good. We had a few games, myself and Ronan, recently. And 
it's a lot better than I thought it was. I was buying it for the pretty, and I actually got a bit of a game for my money as well. So I'm well chuffed with that. I'm uh, amazed you're buying it for the pretty. I don't know what it looked like on Kickstarter, but those bits are not the pretty. Yeah, they're not great. They're a bit garish. We talked a little bit about that in City of Remnants, where they had the garish figures, and this one a little bit the same. But the board's nice. I paid extra for the board, so that was good. <laughs> Oh, um, well, yeah, we played it. It's not the deepest game in the world, is it? It's quick. Um, we played just on the basic 3x3 grid. So I want to play it with you know, the expanded grid. I think it will give us more decisions to make and, and more kind of options to go down. I, but, yeah, it was certainly between getting out of the box and finishing the game, my opinion of it went up. Yeah, I, I was worried about it. I'd backed it. I'd paid my money. And it wasn't a lot of money. And again, it was one of the ones that was actually quite cheap to post to the UK. So again, that's probably why I went and backed it. But And it came and I was pleasantly surprised. So yeah, I'm happy with that one. And the next one I'm going to talk about is Dragon Valley, which came out a couple of years ago. It's based on it's a tower defense game. There are monsters in this valley in the middle of the board and each player kind of defends their own castle in, in one of the corners and you're trying to build up kind of engines or moats or different troops, whatever you, to prevent the monsters from coming in. It's got kind of funky scoring on how you defeat the monster. depends how many uh, points you're going to score. This, again, I think suffers from a bit of a classic Kickstarter issue. Now, where Rolling Freight's got solid mechanisms uh, but didn't look that great, Dragon Valley, I think, looks okay, but I really can't see that it was play-tested well enough. It doesn't really work for two players or four players, and the, and the board is set up. You'd think it's set up to be only four-player. It doesn't really work very well, four-player, because everyone has to be a bit too aware of what everyone else is doing. There's a me- mechanism in there whereby it's one of the games where at the beginning of a round, someone has to divvy everything that's coming out into separate piles, and then the other players get to choose them. But when you're playing four-player, there's two players are divvying up into two piles, and they have a partner that goes to, and if you're not aware of everything that's going on, it, it doesn't really work very well. It's, it's a three-player only game, and it feels undercooked at that. But again, a real promising game. There's good ideas in it. Um, it's not awful by any means. It's, it's, a, it's a decent playable game, but it's pretty close to being a good game and it's not quite there. I, I feel like if you know a big publisher got hold of it and, and really given it the proper treatment, something a bit more special could have come out of it. Slightly frustrating. Cool. Well, having never played the game, I not a lot to say on the, on the matter, but uh, it did look when it was being touted on kickstarter like it was an amazing game and feedback hasn't been quite so amazing about it so still like to give it a go though okay so on to my precious zombicide season two it's been backed i can't wait it's, it's coming in september or october or something and literally i can't wait it looks amazing these guys are expert eking every last penny out of you these guys had me buying the howard from uh, big bang theory extra figure the <laughs> that exists Sha- yeah the Shaun of the dead extra figure <laughs> <laughs> oh there's the dude from arachnophobia that big john goodman plays i don't know his name he's they're obviously different names but it's obviously them um Silence of the Lambs. What's the movie's character? Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, yeah. What's the movie? 
<laughs> yeah, they they feed into the geek psyche absolutely, and you know what? I can't blame them. They've done such a good job. The the freebies are worth buying this game just on their own. I'll admit, I bought the extra dice, the glow in the dark dice. They come. They were already giving me a set of normal dice, a set of red dice, and a set of orange dice. And they offered you white, black, and glow-in-the-dark, and I actually spent $10 on the glow-in-the-dark. I feel a little bit dirty, but in a good way. <laughs> you didn't spend anything on that. I didn't spend... Okay, my wife, my darling wife spent it, but I spent it for her, because I'm nice like that. <laughs> this is a game I keep on seeing it played, and I always seem to be booked for something else when it's getting played, and I want to give it a go. Everyone says it's the board game version of Left 4 Dead, right? The computer game, which uh, we both played it. I really enjoyed Left 4 Dead. I got a good few months to play out there. And Left 4 Dead 2 as well. Played it with a few mates online. Uh, so I'm up for it. I, I have to say that I'm not a big fan of the whole zombie thing, zombie theme, zombie games. They don't really do it for me. Certainly not as much as they do for you. I know you're a big fan, mate. And... Listening to reports from the game, I'm not sure I'm going to fall in love with it so much. But even saying that, I watched those video they put up and saw the stuff they're giving away, and I was tingling. I was like, "Oh, I need to have it! I need to have it!" And thankfully, I talked someone stupid into getting it. Who was that, Ronan? Oh no, you don't know them. You don't know them. Move uh, on. Oh, okay, cool. Right, moving on, Ronan. Next, the Manhattan Project. This for me, Kickstarter success. Nice components, unique feel to the game, a theme that could possibly make, yeah, you're not sure someone would have picked it up. It's both controversial and boring at the same time, you know. It's a cross between science and all, you know, bombs kill people. Do we really want to play this game? But a real fun game, uh, quite thinky, you know, it's a couple of hours of EuroE building up your own little engine. There's there's some good screw you things in there. You can mess with the other players and really annoy them by stealing and putting people into their buildings. So for me, a success. I, I've backed the second stage expansion for it. Unfortunately, uh, it's running a little late. But, you know, to be honest, that doesn't really bother me so much in terms of... of if you back something kickstart and it runs a bit late, ho-hum. I'm not on that fast. In terms of the game itself, for me, this is a real Kickstarter success story again. I'd like to talk about a game called Shadow Rift. Now, this was actually not funded by Kickstarter. They actually failed their funding and just produced it anyway. But it does have a fundamental flaw. Wonderful game. It's obviously been play-tested because everything works. It's quite a complicated game. But the designers and producers decided that the better game would be actually figuring out how to play it because they didn't supply any <laughs> with that bad boy. <laughs> it was an interesting experience attempting to interpret some somewhat ambiguous terms if the terms were even in there sometimes oh if they were like what did we have a little thin bit of paper i think it, um, it amounted to six six pages on a five paper not even i think it's it actually a 13 paper <laughs> yeah and this is quite an involved, intricate game where everything affects everything and everything does three or four different things and you've got to know exactly what's happening. 
by the end of the game, when we'd worked it out, we were having fun. And actually, you know what? This is a good game. I wish we'd have started off knowing how to play it. <laughs> In fact, we got into kind of a loop, didn't we? The game was going on for a bit, and then we realised we'd got a rule wrong. Now, I can't even explain to you how easy it is to get that rule wrong. Something is referred to by a certain name, and the rule for it comes into play when something else happens, and they are never linked, the two. It's like kill and hunt or something, isn't it? Oh, just We got that wrong anyway. And But in terms of the games itself, you're right. I was really having fun for an hour and three quarters. Which is when it probably would have ended if we were playing it right. Yeah, and probably in our loss as well. I, it, you're right, it, the, the game works. It is pretty fun. Um, there's all special characters you can get. They all feel thematic. It's good. You, you do need to talk and cooperate. The thing where gold is one of the currencies, but it's a shared currency, so you must talk to each other about, I use it that way, I use it this way, and what have you. I, I like it. I, I think it's a good game. Uh, I just wish there was a rule book in the box. Um <laughs> I really hope someone produces a proper rule book for it, put it that way. But in terms of, of, of a deck builder and a thematic deck builder, it, it is one of the better ones around for sure. Okay, so my next one is, and this is going to be a quick one because we've spent ages and forever talking about this already and no one needs to hear me go on. But Kickstarter means for me by far the thing that I've backed most often with most money, with most excitement, it makes me squeal with delight. Gauntlet Got <laughs> little fools. <laughs> Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh, just, just great. It's fantastic. I the only thing that's wrong with it is the shipping costs are too high. I think they know that. And uh, thankfully, the next one that's coming out in October, we're going to be able to pick it up from Essen, so no shipping costs there. And thank you to my generous benefactor who actually helped me out last time, which is very kind of him. Just a great game, and this really—I mean, I know I've said about some of the games here that, that they're what Kickstarter's all about, but Sentinel Multiverse really—it's an idea, you know, a card game based on a universe that didn't exist in any other medium, uh, and, and you know, and looks like it just looks like it would be the worst Kickstarter game ever, because you know, all those cards interacting with each other—is it going to be developed properly? Is it going to be undercooked? So easy to get it wrong. They got it right. It's fantastic and and just brilliant. Yeah, I can only concur. They, yeah, that's the way Kickstarter should be done. It's something, again, it's going to be very quick because we have talked about it in our very first episode, nonetheless. It's D-Day Dice. Soared through the Kickstarter funding, and I think what you that got... That was back when, when like, 70000 was a lot of money, right? Yeah, that's Three, what... two million. <laughs> Three, two million. Yeah, soared through the funding, and you've got a full and complete and well-designed game. Not a lot more you can say about it. Good game. Yeah, I completely agree. And and again, something whereby you know, small companies starting off and, and they hit gold, they did it right. They produced a good game. They've brought expansions out for it. To hopefully, you know, continue a revenue stream going on. This is how to do it, people. Bring us bring out a solid game and it will work. For me, next one, for someone who's been a bit down on Kickstarter for this whole episode, I think I've been talking about games all that I like. Well, here's one that I think I've got a couple of issues with. And this is Chicken Caesar which came out uh, not not too long ago anyway. It's oh, it's hard to even describe what kind of a game it is. You have chickens, and they're going to go into different roles, and the different roles carry out different functions within the chicken society. And you're going to try and score points by having your chickens in roles. Hmm. 
Yeah, I know that made a lot of sense. Anyway, it's all about interaction between players. It's all about being mean and horrible and nasty and vicious. And would you believe it's actually too horrible for me? I think it's too mean a game. My main issue with it is, though, that it just looks kickstartery. It's not in any way visually appealing. It's simple. It's art as done by a graphic designer. And I don't wish to diss graphic designers, and although I probably have. It's that it's so form it's just squares and blocks and number and uh, and just doesn't appeal to the eye and in terms of gameplay itself it's very group dependent and i am aware of groups in which it's been basically been broken so chicken caesar very much uh, not sure about that one yeah it does look hideous <laughs> but on a positive note all that talk about chicken rolls has made me hungry that's never positive for anyone, <laughs> apart from the local kebab shop owner. Right, <laughs> next. Next. Um, I've already talked about it, so I won't bore people too much, but uh, Study an Emerald, which is kickstarting now as we talk. It's a Martin Wallace game. Uh, it's based on a Neil Gaiman short story, and it involves the whole Cthulhu mythos. What's not to want to buy that, honestly? It's Gaiman, Wallace, and Cthulhu. I mean... I'm straight in. I'm in like Flynn. Happy days. And plus, the £50 for everyone is the way I like to see the postage handled in future Kickstarting projects. Yeah, I've been in and around people with the print and play prototype this week playing it. Um, again, I haven't had a chance to play it myself, but kind of trying to get hold some of the feedback on it because, you know, Martin Wallace, great. Neil Gaiman, yeah, I can see the appeal. <laughs> And board games. So that's two out of three things that I like. Um, and I tell you what, it's pretty pretty deep. It's There's it's, it, a lot going on there. Possibly the rules can get tweaked, make it slightly uh, slightly smoother, make it run a bit quicker and what have you. But it's got to the point where, I mean, there's a guy who's down teaching it a few times and he's, he's thinking about just leaving certain rules out while he's teaching because it's quite heavy to get your head around. So people expecting some kind of light game because it's got that Neil Gaiman name on it. It's, it's not going to happen. This is not in any way a mass market game. It is a gamer's game. But but kind of promising reports. People seems like they want to play it again a couple of times because the first game seems to be pretty difficult to get your head around. Part of that, of course, is going to be that the person teaching it is brand new to everyone, right? So they're not going to know it that well. And I, hopefully when people know it better, learn how to teach it better, it will run a bit more smoothly. Yeah, just two points. Uh, yeah, Martin Wallace has actually confirmed that there is going to be some tweaks to the rules being made, so it's probably based on feedback from the print-and-play version. And the second point is that's one of the big selling points of this game, and it's actually one of the taglines on the Kickstarter project, is if you feel you know this game, you know how to play it, you're playing it wrong. It's a game that's supposed to keep you slightly off-kilter and guessing a little bit, and there's a lot of sort of toing and throwing in terms of you don't know what people are playing and stuff like that. But yeah, it looks it looks good to me and it's got Cthulhu in it, so I'm in, as I said. Okay, so I guess the last one for me is Garden Dice, which I picked up recently and it's a very gentle little tile-laying game all about growing vegetables and collecting sets to score points. It's nice, it's pretty nice bit, especially the cardboard bits, the tiles and what have you, they're all thick and sturdy and yeah, pretty pretty cool. I mean, I don't know how exciting you can expect artwork for a vegetable game. The real letdown for me in terms of components is this game's called Garden Dice, right? You expect to have a few dice in there, 
four plain, slightly misprinted wooden dice in there. D6. Ugh. Man, I wanted things with broccolis on the side and a carrot-shaped dice and all. I guess I should have done some research before I bought it. Game itself, it's it's okay. It's uh, it feels a little bit undercooked. It feels like oh, it needs something thrown in. But I will admit that could just be a taste issue for me because taste vegetable game. But <laughs> um, because it's a it's a little bit friendly. Lovely, and I'm going to finish on a dice game too which is Dungeon Roll from Tasty Minstrel Games. Absolutely flew off Kickstarter. Made loads and loads and loads and loads of money. Uh, Lots of Kickstarter bonuses flying around with this one. It's a simple dice rolling game. That's all it is. You've got some some dice and some tokens that you win by rolling the right type of dice. I haven't got anything remotely like that. I've got dice games, but they all come with board or cards or something. So interested to see how it goes. Uh, It could be a absolute heap but you don't know you've got to try these things so give it a go what do you think have you heard anything about this Ronan? uh not really man, other than that it was very popular and and people seem excited about it i think it was the the low price it's always kind of when you look at kickstarter if something's 15 dollars or 20 dollars clearly you're much more likely to back it than something that's 50 or 60 so i, I think that's going to help it you know quick fun dice rolling game why not it's how bad can it be put it that way yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's why I thought I'd give it a punt. So, there we go. That's some of the games that we've backed or played that have been Kickstarter funded. Um, obviously, the, the list goes on, but they're just sort of a taste of what we have enjoyed and not so much enjoyed. So we've been talking about all different things to do with Kickstarter, its impact, specific board games, what have you, as you've heard. So we're just going to wrap up with our thoughts. I don't know whether it's been clear, but I think that in general terms, as we found the last few weeks, that Kickstarter is kind of a bit of a, an unwieldy beast in terms of, of how, how people are using it and the amount of games filtering through it. But I think the filter actually does work. I think the ones that rise to the top and come through generally are good games. Now, that's not to say that a lot of these games, I think, wouldn't be in better hands with a big publisher and and getting the real spit and polish that that would really finish them off and give them an extra sheen. But trying to choose wisely, trying to listen to word of mouth, if you can, you know, for me, I'm afraid it's got to the point of just wait. If it comes out and if it's that good, it will get reprinted again and, and I'll get a chance to pick it up because trying to spot that hidden gem amongst all the dross. It's fun, but it costs money. It, it's expensive fun. And, and so Kickstarter is a positive for me. It lets people express themselves. It's bringing in new ideas. It's getting games published that might not get published any other way, but I'm slightly cautious on what I back. And a lot of times now it's definitely try before I buy. Sean, what's your thoughts? I think Kickstarter for me is still about the the little, the little man taking on the big the big companies. Um, if one gem sneaks through and gets funded and becomes a big hit and people enjoy it, then I think it Kickstarter proves its worth. There's games that we probably wouldn't have seen, like Alien Frontiers, that have come through Kickstarter, and just for Alien Frontiers alone, I think Kickstarter has already proved itself. It has its faults, and it is a massive gamble. Um, and you think you've just got to take it with a pinch of salt, and you know what you're getting into by now. Everyone knows what Kickstarter's about, and everyone knows the pitfalls 
that kicks uh, that are associated with Kickstarter. And I think therefore it's very rarely someone's going to get tricked into buying something. You know already that it's a gamble and you might not be getting exactly what you think you're getting. As I said before, I think Kickstarter, for me, I know it's been rumbling on for a while, as Rona said earlier, but for me, I think the big companies are starting to look at Kickstarter. You're never going to get Fantasy Flight probably doing anything with Kickstarter, but I could be wrong. But I think the big boys are taking notice of it now, and I think better games are going to come out of Kickstarter and I think more reprints and more reprints of games that of yesteryear that would work in the modern gaming world are going to come through and find their, find their home in the gaming world. So for me, I'm glad Kickstarter's around, but I think you do have to be careful with Kickstarter. So thanks a lot for listening to episode 9 of The Game Pit. It was our chat about Kickstarter. You can find all our episodes on 2d6.org alongside other audio, video and written board gaming goodness. You can find us on Twitter at Game Pit Podcast. You can email us at thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all your feedback and thanks a lot for listening. Theme.